0: Proverbs chapter 1, in the summer, I just want to share a couple thoughts from the book of Proverbs. We won't go through it verse by verse, but I do believe the book of Proverbs has a lot of practical wisdom for all of us to apply to our hearts and lives. And uh, how many of you through the years have occasionally read whatever proverb of the day would go with the calendar day? You would read that. Anybody like that? All right, that's wonderful, and I hope that that's a good way to read the book of Proverbs through every month for 12 times, uh, 12 times a year, read it through, and it takes no more than about three minutes for the any, even a slow reader could read any chapter of the book of Proverbs in three minutes. It doesn't take very long to do that, and uh, you may not understand everything you read there, but, uh, but you can find a, a principle that you can apply to your hearts and life, and there's so many practical things. I was 13 years old. I was going to camp at the Bill Rice Ranch in, in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and a guy named Paul Levine. Uh, he was old. As long as I known him, he was old. You know, but uh, he even died old. <laughs> but uh, he was responsible for doing tracks, and, and he made tracks. He was an evangelist. And just as fun and enjoyable. And here he's he was is, he is probably like 80 years old, still te- teaching and preaching at teen camps. He was just he was just a very lovable guy, but boy, he was just fun. And, and uh, But he told me, I remember I was 13, he said, he said, everybody in this room ought to read the book of Proverbs every day. And I can't say I did that in my whole life, but I did that in my teen years and my, my college years every single day. And even to this day, oftentimes it's my... It's my first go-to in the morning to go and read the book of Proverbs, the chapter of the day. Anybody could do that. I, don't, I think uh, the other day I was going to school with Lacey, and, and we read through the book of Proverbs, uh, or not the book, but the chapter of the day, and talked about verses. Oftentimes I do that with my children. Who we're going someplace. They're, let's look here. Let's real quickly. Y'all read the, let's read this chapter, and let's talk about something that comes from that. By the way, we ought to talk about the Bible. Uh, when you drive, when you walk, when you go to bed at night, when you wake up, always keep instructing your children. Use those times. I'm not the, the greatest at that, but I think it's a wise thing to do. And, of course, Proverbs, uh, there were three books of the Bible that, uh, that Solomon is a tribute to writing. And then he wrote some maybe of the Psalms as well. So that would be his fourth, fourth contribution. But Proverbs was written, or pithy sayings that he had, and of course, when Solomon was uh, made king, he quickly confessed to the Lord, God, I'm like a little child. This is over my head, I don't know where to go in or out, I don't know on my left hand, my right, I need some help. He said, what do you want from me? What can I give to you? And he could have said riches, and he could have said honor or fame, he could have said uh, all kinds of things, but he just said, Lord, I just need wisdom. I just need wisdom. I need an understanding heart and your wisdom, your way of thinking. And the Lord granted that to Solomon. And he became the greatest king probably of all time outside the Lord Jesus Christ. He was was the envy of the world. Uh, Queen of Sheba came and saw him. And when she saw it, she heard about it. She said, I've got to come see it. She said, the half wasn't told to me. You know, it wasn't even. It was It was described so glowingly, and half wasn't even told to me. But what he, what she really was impressed with was that his servants were happy, his people were happy, and he answered them. He responded to them. He spoke to them. Great, and, and uh, that was a, that was a positive thing that that uh, that Solomon did. And of course, he wrote the book of um, Song of Solomon. One of his uh, when he married the Shudimite, uh, or one or one of the little the little Shudamite farm girl. Uh, that uh, he wrote that that 's a story of his love affair with her and and they record uh, the the their their love back to each other and of course it can be mirrored with the Lord Jesus and his love for the local church, but it was it 's a beautiful thing and Brother Howes did a great job if you want to you want to just get some thoughts about Song of Solomon. Brother Howes wrote a book I think it 's still in our bookstore on that, uh, the, the, the heart of a man and his wife, uh, verse by verse through the Song of Solomon, a great resource and encouragement to us. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and of course Sol- Solomon is somebody who, who became a wise fool, and that's the word for a sophomore. <laughs> uh, he was a wise fool. He, he had all of it given him. If there's any a man ever that could have anything he wanted to have, do anything he wanted to do, and be anything in the world he wanted to be, it was Solomon. And he really just destroyed himself. And at the end, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes comparing what happens under the sun and what happens above the sun. And he says, Here's what happens under the sun. Everything, if you do anything without God, it's vanity and vexation of spirit. If you, if you include God on this, if the conclusion of the whole matter is just recognize God. Do what he tells you to do. This is the whole duty of man. This is how you're going to find the blessed life. But uh, in the book of Proverbs, there are just uh, 31 chapters divided for us, and each of them uh, will, they, they, they kind of pop around. There's a few of them that are repeated. You'll find repetition in the book of, of, of Proverbs. Many, some of them are given from a father to a son. Sitting down, I said, Son, you need this, you need to get this, you need to get this. I remember one day I was uh, struggling with something my mother told me. Uh, she put her hands on my knees as I sat there in the kitchen. She said, John, get in the book of Proverbs and learn some things about finances. And it was a challenge she gave me. And I, and I started knocking, I, I met with a couple that's going to get married, and I have them um, to find 10 verses in Proverbs and tell me what the financial principle is that you learn from that as part of their premarital counseling. I think it's very helpful to us because the book of Proverbs gives a lot of principles. And you'll find that wisdom is the main thing and, and it's personified in the person of the Lord Jesus. But uh, we see wisdom is there. The fool is there. Uh, and then in the middle is the simple one. And most of us are born, foolishness is bound up in our heart when we're born, but most of us, uh, we're, we're simple. And wisdom wants to hear from us, wants you to listen to them. And the fool wants the foolishness and Satan himself. And a wise man is someone who is seeking to pinpoint and practice God's thinking on a matter. Okay, you got an idea and I got an idea, but that's not necessarily. Wisdom. There's a way that seemeth right to us, but the end of the ways of death. So wisdom is pinpoint and practicing God's way. It's kind of like I can't see my Bible very good right now, and, uh, but if I put my glasses on, I can see what I could not see without them. And the truth of the matter is, it's letting God hand you his glasses. When you look at things, you see the world how you see it, but it's not clear. Putting things on like this is letting you see things God's way. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is pinpointing, practicing God's way of doing things. The fool is someone who defies and ignores God's God's principles. He has no interest to even hear it, learn about it, or certainly not apply it. He ignores it and he defies it. In between, a, 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 a simple person and a fool is usually a scorner. Somebody who is very attractive, he's the the mediator between the two. The scorner is usually, and by the way, the Bible says cast out a scorner and a simple beware. You'll figure out, you get a guy over here and and you always will have a scorner in your life uh, from time to time. Someone who's more negative, somebody is certainly who who ignores. He's, He's maybe not totally a fool, but certainly on the border, just going along to get along. And usually has something negative to say, and uh, there's a lot of warnings about scorners. But in, in the book of Proverbs, you see several different ideas personified, but wisdom and foolishness is on both uh, extremes there. Let's look at verse chapter 1, can we please? And I think we have time to do this. Let's just look in. I, I will follow along with me, if you would, please, as we read several verses in whole. Ready? The Proverbs of Song of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. So he just says, Solomon wrote these. He's the son of David, and he's the king of Israel. Here's the purpose of the book. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To know wisdom, the right, God's way of doing things, and his view on things, and instruction, and to perceive the words of understanding. Number three, to, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And so we're seeing lots of concepts here that I will not go into, but you can just evaluate judgment. Usually, is how I treat treat someone else. Just, just uh, Judgement uh, or justice has uh, has to do with treating other people. Judgment, oftentimes, is de- deciding what are God's laws and how do I act accordingly. What's my decision based upon what I know, and then equity, treating people fairly. Number four, to give stability stability to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. And discretion, in short, is kind of a plan to live strategically. It's kind of like seeing what I'm supposed to do here, seeing things as they are and knowing what is the strategy that would best uh, give the the godliest outcome or the best outcome. That's the purpose of the book. And then he says in verse number five, read it with me if you would, please. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Real quickly, here we find the purpose is laid here. What he's trying to do? He's trying to get people to listen to him, learn to, learn wisdom, some of the dark sayings, some of the challenge things, how to treat others, how to treat God, how to make decisions uh, that relate to others and your possessions. Basically, proverbs is going to is going to give you. Principle after principle of how to make decisions in given situations, regardless. It's going to be the same, uh, it'll, it'll be the same movie with different actors in so many ways of life. You're going to repeat some of the same things, and learning to make decisions based upon God's way is very important. So we see the purpose. Let's look at the next one, if you could please. Verse number seven, read it out loud with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, but fools despise. Very, very quickly out of the box, he sees he's going to put he's going to pit wise man and the fool as polar opposites uh, in competition for the simple one, for the simple one. Wisdom is going to cry out; the fool's going to try to be attractive and try to bring them this direction. How many ever felt like you're in the middle of that tub of war? Some, sometime? sometimes, sure. There is there is there's things pulling both ways. He said he said this is it now. Everything rests heavily upon the fear of the Lord. I'm going to give you just a little bit of outline of the chapter, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time on the fear of the Lord. I think it would be very helpful. You need to get your Bible out because we're going to stay busy on that. But if you look at, if you look at verse number 8, My son, hear, my instruction, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. He's going to talk about the purpose of the book, and then he's going to say, Boys and girls, give attention to your parents. God gave you a mom and dad, listen to them. They're your first line of authority. Uh, you, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, okay? They're your first responsibility. You do it because it's right to do. So he says, parents, listen to your dad, boys and girls, listen to your mom and, and uh, listen to them. Now we see our peers. Look at verse number 10. Verse 10 says, my son, if sinners entice thee, Consent thou not. He says, so when sinners are vying for your attention and trying to get you over here to a foolish lifestyle, don't go with them. Years ago, Brother Jeff Hawkins, who's now a good pastor in our local area here, about maybe 50 miles away from here, but he would teach us this song, sinners and I see don't give in, say no. Say no. And he would go through that with our children in our junior church and remind us if sinners entice you, don't go with them. That's the verse. And he'll begin to tell what what uh, sinners are like. And look at verse number eleven. He'll go on and say, if they say, "Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, and let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up as the alive as the grave, and whole as they that go down to the pit, we shall find all precious substance." Man, we'll, we'll get rich with this, and we'll and we'll fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us, gamble with us, and let us all have one purse. Let's put it all together. My son, walk now, now with them in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their, from their path, for their feet run to evil, and uh, they make haste to shed blood. And surely, in vain the the net is spread in, in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait and their and uh, their own for their own blood, and they lurk privily in their own lives. Verse nineteen. Uh, so for the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. And so, besides, you see, that greed leads to violence. It leads to stealing, theft. He said, get away from people like that. Boys and girls that are in the room, if you have somebody who ever tempts you to steal, don't do it. Don't do that. They tempt you to do something, and they don't, don't tell your mom, don't tell your dad. That's, that's, already know what they say that, do not, go tell your dad. <laughs> Go tell your mom. You always got folks on both sides, but you got these guys over here. He said, he said, number one, give attention to your parents. Number two, watch out for your peers. Watch out for the people that are influencing your children. And as a child, watch out for negative influences there and help them with that. Then he goes on to talk a little bit about the, the provocation. The provocation is wisdom. Wisdom is gonna speak up here. Notice if you would please what it says, verse twenty. Now wisdom crieth without, and she uttereth her voice in the streets, puts her in a in a feminine light, but it says he cries and tries to get the attention. In the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the in the city she shudder she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity and your scorners, delight in scorning? The fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my what? Reprove, by the way, we don't like reproof as a general rule because reproof has to do two things. Number one, it has to point out a failure I have made. How many like to contemplate your failures and just love to live there? No. You like when someone else points out your failure. I don't like it. That's a neg- I, I don't want to feel that bad again. But the truth of the matter is reproof points out a failure. We don't like that. Number two, a need to change. And we're not really fond of change. Some of you might like change all the time, but most of you don't. And whenever it's something you have to change, it's it's humbling. So he said, listen, listen to my reproof. Wisdom says, hey, I'm here. And I'm here in the big city. I'm here in the urban urban areas. I'm here in the rural areas. I'm here in in the streets and the byways. I'm calling people, come, listen to me, take on that. And of course, this is the same. Uh, Jesus is the personification of wisdom. He said, this is the battle going on. He said, but they're not going to listen, and many won't. And then, of course, it shows what wisdom will do. Let's continue the rest of the chapter, and then I will go to the fear of the Lord for a few minutes. Verse 24, because I called, and ye have what? What do you do? He said, I I called, I tried to get your attention, and you've rejected it. I've stretched out my hands, and no man regarded but ye have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and destruction, cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall ye call upon me, and what will happen? I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. And it will be too little too late. They will hate knowledge and did not choose my fear of the Lord didn't choose the fear of the Lord. By the way, that's a choice. The fear of the Lord's a choice. That uh, they would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own ways and shall be filled with their own devices. Would you read verse 32 and 33 with me, everyone? For turning away way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall, and whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. So this is, uh, this is kind of the, 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 if you break down the chapter, the purpose for Proverbs, a, a focus on parents, a focus on questionable peers, and then the provocation or the challenge or the invitation uh, of wisdom, and in, in the invitation of wisdom, and then the, the, the indignation of wisdom when it's rejected, and it's too little, too late. Many folks wait till they're too old to apply the principles of wisdom and enjoy the blessings of wisdom. But I want you to go to verse number 7 real quickly, and let's take just a few moments. Our teenagers are out of the service tonight over in the session. I want to get done here in just a few moments. Look at verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. One thing you're going to find oftentimes in the book of Proverbs and in other places is the concept of the fear of the Lord. And you're going to find it's very valuable. I don't know exactly all that it means when it says the fear of the Lord, but here's what I believe it means primarily in most cases. It means a conscious awareness of God's presence. I know that he's real and he's with me. That is a game changer in every life because that takes away a lot of fear. Many of us are gripped with fear. And people who fear God are not generally fearful of other people or other things. When we fear God, we're not afraid of other things. When we are afraid of other things, it's because we don't fear the Lord. And when we fear God, he he takes away the fear of the future, the fear of other things. When you find yourself fear, you need to figure out, okay, how can I understand and live in the presence of God? Now, I want us to do this activity kind of quick, real quickly, but we see what are the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Let's look at a few of them here in Proverbs and maybe a few in Psalms, and uh, let's look at this real quickly. We see in Psalms, uh, Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Okay, so we can't even know what we need to know until we begin with the awareness of God. Some of the most intelligent people on the planet, they can't even get the first base, because they refuse to acknowledge God. They refused to acknowledge I, I heard one scientist one time, I was reading a periodical and he said, he spoke in front of a lot of his, his peers and he said to, this is what if I, if, I, if, I, if I, I wish I knew his name, I don't know his name, but it was in, it was in the northeast region of our, our country for a convention of scientists. And he got up and said this, it shocked everybody, but many of them understood this. He said, look, to prove, to have evolution as the explanation for the origin of all we know is truly impossible. He said, you cannot use that theory to, to prove the origin of all we know. And, and I'm sure there may be some gasp. Or, oh, what's he saying? But he said, having said that, I would rather believe the impossible than to consider the unthinkable. That it was made by intelligent design. Now, here's a, here's a guy willingly ignorant, extremely intelligent, but because he won't recognize God, he will continue to believe in a theory that has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. And it's, it's just it's a mess. I'm sure Dr. Cowling could come up and, and exhort us all in that situation, but we're not going to let him do it tonight. We're just going to keep going right here. Oh, he's happy. <laughs> All right, let's look at another one real quickly. Ch- go to chapter 9 of Proverbs, would you? Chapter 9, verse 10. So we see that recognizing God is the beginning of, whiz- of, of knowledge. Look at chapter 9, verse number 10. Read it with me, would you please? But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, and by knowledge of the holy is, understanding. And uh, you're going to find three concepts that continue to come up in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Scriptures. And one of them is knowledge. Knowledge is knowing What? to do. Wisdom is knowing how to do it. And I'm doing this very simplistically so you maybe can change. Understanding is understand why we do it. And sometimes that's one of our problems in, our, in Christianity and in our next generation. We tell them what to do. okay, And then we try to teach them how to, to play out what they know. Sometimes we miss the third one, understanding why we do it. What is the biblical principle that, that that we do that? But he said, number one, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Number two, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not only what to do, but how to put it into play. I found people that that, and it was was a Buzz Aldrin, who went on, who walked on the moon, and a year after that, he was doing all kinds of interviews. He lost his family, got addicted to 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 questionable things and wrong things. Had a nervous breakdown. Went went crazy in that year after walking on the moon. And a a reporter asked him at the end of that year, he said, what did you learn about, what's the greatest lesson you learned about walking and being the first man to walk on the moon? He said, what I found out, here's what I learned. I learned that I had been taught to walk on the moon, but no one's yet taught me how to live on the earth. You know what he's saying? He goes, "I I don't know how to put it together. Getty, the great uh, oil tycoon there that has a beautiful Getty mansion off the 405 freeway in Los Angeles, he said, I'd give my entire fortune. He probably didn't mean it, but here's what he said I'd give my entire fortune for one stable marriage. Been married five times. He said, I'd give my whole money if I could figure out how to keep a marriage together. You know what the guy did? He had plenty of knowledge. He didn't have enough, he didn't have wisdom. You don't recognize God in the equation. Marriage does come with a manual, <laughs> the invented marriage. Hey, fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom. Let's look at a couple more things real quickly, if you would, please. Turn to chapter 8, verse 13. Chapter 8, verse 13. And let's read this together out loud, can we? The fear of the Lord is to what? Pride and arrogancy and the evil way. And the forward mouth do I. So the fear of the Lord is to hate what? What's another word for evil? Sin. Wouldn't you agree with that? How about chapter 16? Let's hold your place there maybe, but go to 16, verse number 6. Here's another concept of the fear of the Lord. Are you looking at it there? Let's read it together. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart. Okay? So it's by the fear of the Lord that man does what? He gets away from something that's questionable. And once again, the fear of the Lord is a conscious awareness that he's with me. So if I have God, then I have access to knowledge. If I have God in his presence, I have greater capacity to know what I need to know and to know how to do it. Wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord lets me elevate my behavior. When you know God is with you, you'll depart from evil. People usually who watch ugly things on their phone don't do it. In, in with their wife and kids present. They don't do it with their pastor there. Hey pastor, look at this. No, I wouldn't do that. No, if I were to walk in or I remember that the other day I would knock on someone's door and said, Oh, oh, Pastor's, here. oh uh, give me a minute, you know. Well, everything's all shuffled around and moved around and they wanted they wanted a minute. They they were dressed fine. It was not that they wanted to make sure everything's okay in the house. The truth of the matter is I'm just another human being. But what they were saying is like, I've got to acknowledge pastor's presence. I've got to make sure that, it, that things are okay and I don't have something on the table I shouldn't have or something there. And the truth of the matter is, that I, I'm not the issue. <laughs> you know what, what they needed before they ever heard of Pastor Wilkerson? They need the fear of the Lord. <laughs> it's by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. By the fear of the Lord, they stay away from it. you got a problem? you got to elevate your understanding of who God is. Fear of the Lord. Let's look at another one real quickly. Can we look, at, if, we, if we don't mind, at chapter 14, verse number 26. Chapter 14, verse 26. Let me have all the men read this verse, would you men? All the men in the room. Chapter 14, verse 26, ready? In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place. What's a beautiful verse right there. Notice that. In the fear of the Lord is strong what? It doesn't seem like they even go together, does it? Fear and confidence in the same verse. He said, but when you recognize God, when you live with the consciousness of God, you have strong confidence. Because confidence does not come because of who we are, but who we know is with us. When you have the presence of God upon your life and God is real to you, you're going to have a confidence to face problems, difficulties, challenges, obstacles, enemies, does not mean you can't find yourself a little jarred by things? But confidence will come. He said, in the, when, "When a man has, or when a woman has the word of God, and has the presence of God upon them, they can face things with greater confidence—not cockiness—but with with confidence because they know God's with them. And even their children, those who are who are taking their lead off of, of that man, have a place of refuge. Okay, look at the next verse. There, girls, would you mind reading verse seventeen together? Ready? For the fear of the Lord, and of life, to depart from the snares of death. Let's read it one more time, girls. Ready? Verse twenty-seven. I think I might have said seventeen, twenty-seven. Ready? Fourteen, twenty-seven, girls. The fear of the Lord was a fountain. dew. Yeah, it gives water, and it usually comes up. Uh, it, it has some inertia in it, and it, if you don't, if you don't have, a I was, I was seeing someone's pond the other day, and if they don't have something to keep that water moving, what happens to the, to the, to the, it just gets scummy and frustrating and messed up. Well, the fountain just keeps it bubbling. You know, the truth of the matter is, you'll find someone who fears the Lord, they have a bubble in them. They have the, they have a, a spring in their step. They have a positivity to their heart. And the Bible tells the fear of the Lord is, is that. Well, I want to challenge you tonight, our time is up, but I want to challenge you to look in the Bible for other references in the book of Proverbs to the fear of the Lord. We've seen the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge. It's how we depart from evil. It elevates our behavior. You want to beat a stubborn habit? Fear of the Lord. You want to stop looking at something you shouldn't look at, stop having something, stop talking about ways, stop watch your language if you if you realize I have people all the time they'll say, Oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. They'll say something, and they'll say, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. Excuse my French. You know, the truth of the matter is that they, they say it all the time. The reason they apologize is because they, they thought, oh, pastor's here. Now, be careful with that. You know, truth of the matter is that if they knew God was there, still be, they'd elevate their behavior. They live in the presence of the Lord. There are two things. I, I want to ask you to write these references down, okay? Write them down, and you may be the be the, 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 uh, the fly leaf of your Bible. In the book of Deuteronomy, there are several verses that tell us This is how you learn the fear of the Lord. He said, I want you to do two things. When you do these things, it teaches you to fear the Lord. The first thing you do is that you give attention to listening and reading the Bible. There's nothing quite like causing you to to recognize God like reading the Bible. You know, How many of you have already accepted Jesus? There's been a time in your life where you prayed and asked the Lord to forgive your sin and save you. Can you raise your hand if you've done that? Okay. I would venture to say that you did that because someone either preached to you, read to you, or showed you from the Bible how to be saved. Okay? Because faith cometh by. Yeah. And you prayed to a God you've never seen, you were nervous about a hell you've never been to and you didn't want to go there. Your sin was real to you all because of the Bible. I, the other day I led a man to the Lord and, and at the end he goes, I, I can't really believe I did this. He said, this is amazing. And he got saved and I'm so happy. And I believe he's going to grow in the Lord. He's just, just But you know, he, he was shocked that he cried out to the Lord and asked God to save him. All I did is show him what the Bible said. I had a Muslim guy crying when I was showing the Bible. And I think you can show the Bible to anybody. Give the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. It it, it works with atheists. It works with agnostics. It works with Jewish people. It works with Muslims and Hindus. You still get to give them the Bible. Okay, It's very important. But it makes God real to us. How many of you ever had a time in your life where you surrendered to serve the Lord? You you surrendered to to make a strong decision to serve the Lord. Maybe not full-time service, but you wanted to be pure on something. You you know why you did that? Because someone preached to you the Bible. And many of us, we came to an altar and said, God, if you want to use me, I'll let you use me. We did that because God... The Word of God brings realness. Now, there are several verses that do that. The first one is Deuteronomy 4.10. That's what I want to ask you to write down. Deuteronomy 4.10. The next one is Deuteronomy 17:18 and 19. The next one is Deuteronomy 31, 12, and 13. I'll say all those again. The Word of God makes God real to us. It teaches us the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 4.10, Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19, and Deuteronomy 31, 12, and 13. This might be a great idea for us to read. But when you hear and you read the Bible, God becomes real to you. Okay? He he begins to become real. The second thing is found in Deuteronomy 14, verse number 22 and 23, and that is when we honestly tithe to the Lord. When you truly tithe, you do this, God puts us in the Bible and gives us an example of this. Abraham did it before the law. Isaac did, or Isaac did it before the law. Jacob did it before the law, excuse me. It's in the law. Before God closed the Old Testament, he teaches that. Jesus tithe, And he said, when you do this, you're going to learn the reason God gave. Does God need our money, yes or no? If you don't tithe, you think God's going to make it. Yeah, he doesn't need our money. But he tells us in Deuteronomy 14, and 23, that when you truly tithe off All the increase I've given you, it will do, you do this so you can learn the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, you keep reading in the Bible, you're going to find the fear of the Lord is a secret, the secret things are given to you in your fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, it gives you a positive spirit, so many blessings that come from that. But the fear of the Lord is taught whenever I give attention to listening, to reading, in absorbing the Bible. Number two, when I learn to take whatever He's given me, divide it by 10, and return one tenth back to Him. Now, He, he said, Pastor, if that's not in the New Testament. I don't have to tie Just Knock yourself out, okay? But I would just tell you, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. However, God tells us His insight, okay? He said, John, here's how I think about tithing. You want to put my glasses on? Oh, okay. <laughs> I should do it. Okay, that's what it is. That's what it is. And why do I want you to do it? Because I want to be real to you. You think about money every day. You think about possessions every day. I want you to think about me. And on the first day of the week, you show up and you honor me with one-tenth of everything I gave you, and I will exchange that for my presence in your life. That's why someone said it's easier and better and more successful to live off 90% with God's presence and the fear of the Lord than to live off 100 of it by yourself without it. It's one of the no-brainers of Christian living, in my opinion. But the fear of the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Lord.